0: I had all this energy. I was super excited. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a team and i am got the team and I'm, you know, and then boom, that person, you know, fell out from underneath me. And I'm like, okay, all right. There's nothing that I can do about it. I can't change the outcome. So I can either sit here and cry, which I was doing, or I could say, you know what? Maybe that person wasn't meant to be in my project. And if I give up, give up, giving up is easy that's the easy way out people give up every single day but I've always said if I can push one more day one more day past the person who gave up I'm one step closer
1: welcome to the female entrepreneur musician podcast with Bree Noble Hey, this is Brie Noble, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. I have got a great interview with our next guest today, and it is quite a lengthy one, but it is all so good. It's one of those ones where I thought about breaking it up into two, and then I thought, you know what? I started just Putting these out every two weeks. So I think you guys can handle a little bit longer interview, and everything in here is just so good. So I just wanted to make sure that you knew it was going to be a little bit longer. You might have to break this episode into two, but everything that she has to say is going to be really helpful for you because she's basically grown up in the business. And although she's independent right now, she has a lot of experience within the business and people in the business, and I know that you guys are really going to get a lot out of my interview with Dior Jordan. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Dior Jordan grew up in Los Angeles, California, where she co-starred in a kids' TV show called Colby's Clubhouse. Dior is now an accomplished singer and songwriter and maybe the freshest artist to hit the pop rock dance scene in a long time. Her positive message, hashtag to be diamond cut, means to be unique and shine your light in the world, and has people of all ages supporting her and wanting to be a part of the Diamond Cut team. Dior has worked with huge national acts like LMFAO, Red Foo, Hawk of Quest Crew, DEV, Hyper Crush, 112, Aaron Carter, Mr. Dalvin DeGrotte of Jodeci, and many more. She's had multiple placements on film and TV and has charted with both of her last two singles, Control, and Right Now. Last year, Dior won two LA Music Awards, including Pop Single of the Year and Best Solo Performer of the Year. But best of all, and this is my little addition here, she is down to earth. She is an amazing person. And I know that you are going to love listening to my interview with Dior. So that's a little bit about Dior. So Dior, is there anything that's not in your bio that you want to tell our listeners that's maybe a little bit more personal about you?
0: personal. Oh my goodness. We're getting right yeah, into the we're juicy stuff off, yeah. right away. Um, well, I was, I was thinking, I'm like, well, I'm doing my album. That's like not in the, you know, a lot of people are waiting on music, but man, I can't think of something juicy right off of the hand.
1: <laughs> Can we come back to that one? <laughs> sure. I think we'll probably pick up something juicy along the way. I'm sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get started in music?
0: Well, I started really, really young. Um, I was singing and dancing on stage since three. I um, come from a musical family. So naturally, um, I grew up singing in church. And um, from there, you know, I just loved performing and and dancing and all sorts of stuff. And I got um, on a kid's TV show and traveling singing groups. And as I grew up, I started developing all those, you know, very important important, um, qualities and, and, um, discipline and all those different things. And then, um, started to sing in high school and doing hooks for rappers and things like that. And yeah, auditions and just kept with it, you know?
1: So let's unpack that a little bit. Are you are you born in LA? Yes. Born and raised Southern California
0: girl. I was actually um, born in La Mirada, so a little okay. LA love.
1: <laughs> I know where that is. Yeah. Uh, and did you, like, how did you get into the performing thing so young? Like, did you just kind of fall into it, or did you specifically, did your parents mean for you to get involved in things? And, you know, how did you get on a kids' TV show, that kind of thing?
0: So. Like I said, I, I started singing in church. So my grandmother was actually a pastor and she's very musical. She's actually been the the backbone to our entire family as far as music goes, you know, giving us violins and piano lessons and, you know, having us do performances and, you know, stuff like that. So naturally at, at a very young age, um, we were, you know, thrown up on stage like, hey, do this, you know, or talent show or whatever. But uh, my mom as a as a single mother, she saw that I that I love performing and 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 stuff like that. And my sister had actually come to my mom and said, There's this traveling kids singing group called Kids Praise Club. Um, I think I think um she should try out. And my mom was like, Okay, but I mean I don't even know the first thing to do. My mom is not a singer. She's more of like a piano player and stuff like that. So my sister, was, I, I'm a baby of five kids. So my oldest sister, she's she's a singer. She did some backup singing for um, artists and things like that. And so she helped me get ready for my audition. And that was my first one. You know, it was filmed, it was recorded and, and I was nervous. And um, so I auditioned and got in the kids group. And then from there, that kids group did a sh- a big show at Anaheim Stadium it, it's called Kid, the Harvest Kids Crusade. Oh okay. And um one of the people involved in that show was Peter Jacobs who is the creator of Colby's Clubhouse. He was starting a kids TV show. Colby's Clubhouse is like a almost like a cross between Barney meets Mickey Mouse Club. And I had one of the lead roles and he really really liked me a lot that they pulled my mom aside and said, "Hey, we You know, we're going to open up the auditions to the entire group, but we want to make sure that that she's going to be there. And so my mom was like, okay. so then, you know, I went to that audition and there was like, I don't know, maybe a thousand kids or or more around that that amount that auditioned. And I was I believe I was one of like, I don't even remember how many kids were in it, maybe like 24 kids. So I did that for four and a half years and that's what really like, you know, being in front of the camera and we had to do voiceovers and we had to do, you know, recording our our voice in a real studio, you know, and that gave me a lot of experience in front of the camera and, um, you know, in the booth. And then I just really fell in love with it and um, continued to pursue it, you know, just started singing. You know, the more you sing and the more you let let people know what, what your dreams are or what kind of talents you have, the more opportunities come. So once I started, you know, singing with friends, then people were like, oh, can you sing this hook in for my, you know, I'm a rapper, can you sing a hook for me, you know? And so I'd go in, I'd sing the hook or write. And yeah, it just was one thing led to another. But yeah, it was just taking opportunities that um, that showed themselves, you know, not saying no, pretty much.
1: <laughs> now, were you, were you doing all this while you were still in school?
0: Yeah, actually... Um, the majority of my life I was homeschooled. So I was actually able to um do a lot more things than the average kid, you know. I could travel, I could, you know, go to rehearsals and I was a gymnast too. Um, so between music and dance and gymnastics, my whole life was was full of of um a lot of activities.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow.
0: <clears throat> yeah.
1: That's that's amazing. Well, so now that um so can I ask how how old are you now
0: I actually like to keep that a mystery oh man you know okay. because honestly and, and and I think um being a, a woman yourself and in this crazy industry there is such a um i don't know people always like like to me I'm like it doesn't matter like because I've had an old soul my entire life I was you know 16 and people thinking that I was 28. You know, so like, (laughs) I've always had an old soul. So to me, I'm like, you know, the music industry puts so much pressure on women in general, about age and beauty and all these different pressures that like, that to me is so not as important.
1: You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, I totally agree. And that's definitely not why I asked you. I was just curious because it seems like you've done so much and you seem so young. Yes. And I know what you're doing now. Yeah. you know, No,
0: definitely. And and it's just a lot of hustle, you know?
1: Right. So at this point, do you consider yourself a full-time musician or are you kind of doing something on the side that, you know, to kind of keep things going?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I am definitely a full-time musician. I put the majority of my time and energy into music you know, it it has to be a full-time job, you know, to me. And, you know, you start out as, you know, uh, doing it here and there, but as you start doing more and more, it kind of takes over. But I do still have, I'm very passionate person, not only about uh, music, but also about fitness and gymnastics. So I actually enjoy, um, I I, like work with kids and I work with a dance studio where they have me come in and teach them acro. And to me, it's like really, really fun because I love tumbling and I love working with kids and being that mentor to them and that support. So um, yes, I do music full time, but I'm also an acro or gymnastics coach and I do personal training as well. So it's like really the best of both worlds. I, you know, I can't complain about that.
1: (laughs) Oh, for sure. It sounds like everything you're doing is things that you're passionate about instead of having some kind of drudgery job that you're doing in order to support your music. So that is like, that's an awesome thing that you've accomplished there.
0: Yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's, it's hard as a musician to find a job where there's flexible hours, where, you know, I know that I can leave on tour for a month like back in April, I did a Mediterranean tour and I was able to leave for a month and come back. And, you know, it's like, it's like family, you know, I have clients that are just like, oh, Dior, you know, it's like, I <laughs> I told them, um, I had a, one of my clients come in. She's like, before you know it, you're just going to leave us. And I'm like, honestly, I feel like I would want to stay no matter what <laughs> they're like. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm like, but I really do love you guys. Like <laughs> if I could make it happen, like, you know, Brooke Burke, she still teaches classes. And that's like her, you know, thing.
1: So, you know. Yeah, why not? I mean, if you, you know, if you can be in control of your schedule, you can just have like mini tours. You don't need to go, you know, on the road for an entire year. Yeah, exactly.
0: Anything is possible. I'm never saying no to anything.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Life by design. That's right. So there's a lot of struggling musicians that listen to this show. And I'm wondering if, was there a time where you felt very frustrated um, with your music career and maybe you were hitting a wall or you, you know, you felt like you might just give up and how did you push through that? And, you know, what kind of advice would you give to people that, you know, really have a dream of doing music and are just kind of frustrated?
0: Yeah. I can't, I can't even tell you how many times I have wanted to give up. Um, so many nights that I've cried myself to sleep so many days where I've literally just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because it is such a, a roller coaster industry that we're in. You know, I spent some time in girl groups and, um, which is really what, um, you know, got me into the industry is, is being involved in that. And sometimes, you know, you put your heart and your passion into projects and ultimately it, when you're working with, you know, a team of people or, or groups, it's like a marriage, you know? Mm-hmm. And, we got close to getting signed to universal and all these meetings and then you have everything done all the music all of this you're like yes this is it i'm leaving on tour we got it like next year grammys that's gonna be us you know and then and then you know somebody drops out or you know things take over where it's out of your control and it's hard you know and um I would say, gosh, there's, I can't even choose like one cause there's been so many, but one that, that comes up to my, in my mind was, um, I finally, when I left the group and I decided to go solo, I had a manager who, you know, mentored me and he would, he did a lot for, uh, jump starting my, my solo career. And then things kind of fizzled out. We got to a point where it was like, you know, as, as much as you can go. And then it kind of was like, you know, at a standstill, and um, I decided to take the bull by its horns. So I'm like, OK, I'm going to just take the bull by its horns and I'm going to do this and I'm going to not take no for an answer and I'm just going to take any opportunity and I'm going to make a team. And I was so motivated. and I was like, yes, this is it. And then I found, you know, a, a band and I was working with somebody who, um, you know, was a great guitar player and had a really great history. And. Grammy nominate, all these different stuff. And I'm like, yes, this is it. And we were starting to do shows. And then all of a sudden the person that, that I felt was my mentor that was really, you know, getting me started and, um, teaching me how to, to do a live show properly and all these things. He, um, he ended up just like, how do I say this? He ended up having things that were out of my control and things that he needed to take care of himself. And he called me up and was just like, boom, I, I can't, I can't do this because, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm like moving away. Right. Ugh. And I was literally sitting there on my phone. I can remember. Cause I was I was getting, I was in between teaching a class actually. And I'm on the phone and I'm like, wait, what, what do you mean? Like, he's like, I'm sorry, but I just have to take this other opportunity. And I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't help you anymore. And I'm like, uh, (laughs) and I felt like at that moment, at that moment, I felt, what am I going to do? I had all this energy. I was super excited. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to build a team and I've got the team and I'm, you know, and then boom, that person, you know, fell out from underneath me. And I'm like, okay, all right. There's nothing that I can do about it. I can't change the outcome. So I can either sit here and cry, which I was doing, or I could say, you know what? Maybe that person wasn't meant to be in my project. And if I give up, give up, giving up is easy. That's the easy way out. People give up every single day. But I've always said, if I can push one more day, one more day. Past the person who gave up, I'm one step closer. So because I've always had that in my head um, from the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to be defeated by somebody else's choices. I'm going to keep on going. And, um, you know, it took me a while to find the right guitar player and the right people and the right fit and trial and error. And, you know, great moments where you're like, oh, I think I found somebody. And then, boom they really weren't the right person anyways and but i got to tell you all of those different hardships and times where you're just like i can't do it because of somebody else or i can't you know do it anymore because of all this disappointment it's like there's more than enough people out there in the world that will believe in your project and more than enough people that would love to be involved in in what you do and not um you know I don't I, I i feel like I'm like all over the place with what I'm saying, but I just really just told myself that I didn't want to um be defeated you know and give up just because of somebody else's you know because it didn't work out, you know, and I feel like there are different things that come in and out of your life to teach you lessons, you know, and I wouldn't have learned so many lessons if I didn't go through that disappointment because life is full of disappointments, but it's how you look at the situation that you can either make it better and stronger for you, or you can just, you know, play the victim and, and never get anywhere. So, um, yeah, I think that answers your question. Maybe. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think
1: you should become an, you should become an inspirational speaker. Like that was so inspiring. I think, I think that's really going to be inspiring to our listeners because yes, we do have those days where we're sobbing Yeah. and, and I mean, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, and this is something I learned in my career, it is all about your own personal motivation because you can't control other people.
0: No. You can't.
1: And there are going to be people that are going to screw you over. There are going to be people that break down. You know, there are going to be people that are a bad fit. You know, I certainly went through my share of, I had my girl group experience and that was absolutely emotionally exhausting, oh, yeah. you know. Totally. <laughs> so, you know, there are going to be experiences like that, but... <clears throat> it made me so much stronger when I decided to go out on my own because it made me realize I could do it on my own. I always thought I, I had to have these other people.
0: Yeah. And I think that having a good team is really, really important, but having the right team, because I think like sometimes as as musicians and and as women, we settle for something less just because it's available. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, oh, whether absolutely. it's a man, whether it's our job, whether it's our our music, whatever. There's a lot of times. I don't want to speak for all women, but there's a lot of times that, you know, we um, we settle for a lower standard than what we should because we're like, oh, this, I, I'm never going to find anyone like that. Or I'm never going to find an opportunity or I'm never going to, you know, and you think all these negative thoughts and we have to remember that thoughts become things. So you're thinking, oh, I, I, I have to work with this sleazeball person because they're giving me an opportunity. And it's like, no, you don't have to work with anybody that you don't want to. You know, you should have that feeling inside that you're like, oh, my God. Like, to me, now being through the last, like, year and a half of all these ups and downs and changing out different team members and, you know, um, being signed. And I literally left my, my label um, two weeks ago, two, two and a half weeks ago. And, you know, you have to remember that it's, it's a journey, it's exciting. If, there, if it was easy, it, if it comes easy, it's going to leave easy. And um, you have to remember that you don't have to settle. I don't care if the person is Jimmy Iovine or Joe Schmo on, you know, around the corner. If the person is right for you, it'll feel good and it will work. It shouldn't be a challenge. It shouldn't be an argument. It shouldn't be, you know, this tug and pull like crazy. You know, it should just feel right. And I and I feel like um, I can honestly say that my entire team, I love my entire team. You know, I, I was talking with somebody the other day and I was saying, I don't care how long I have to wait for the right people to come into my life. If it's the right people, it's going to work. You know? And if it takes five years or 10 years or five minutes, then you'll know it's right when it's right. But, um, well, you know, starting out, you just think that like, oh, this person's worked with so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, but they're treating me horribly as a person, as a human being. No, thank you.
1: Next. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, (laughs) okay. And I just say amen <laughs> to all of that that you just said. That was that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And it's so true. We need to stand up for ourselves. <laughs> and and you know, I mean, if you feel like the producer that you're working with is uh not up uh, you know above board, then get out. Like I don't care if you're in the middle of your you're album. You're wasting time. Yes,
0: wasting money. You're wasting time. Time is money. You know. And um, yeah, get out. It's not worth it because if, if your true destiny is to do music and to be, you know, performing on stage, your life plan is already made out for you. All you have to do is listen to that inner voice and allow that inner voice to guide you and you're never, ever going to fail unless you're supposed to. Mm. Does that make sense?
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, so was there one event or, you know, a specific thing that happened in your career that really made you feel like you moved to the next level?
0: Yeah, actually, um, you know, after I took the bull by its horns and I started working my tail off and I said, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to say no to any opportunity. I'm just going to say yes and figure it out. Once I started doing that, you know, opportunities started to just come in and an old friend of mine, um, of mine called me up and said, Hey, um, what do you think about, um getting together and and writing and and trying to do some song placements I was like sweet let's do it so um we started working on that the same time that that started happening I teamed up with a DJ and he asked me to feature on um on his single that he was going to release and all of this was kind of like you know in the in the pot you know stirring you know all at the same time and the first single came out it was um control we actually made it onto Bport port top 100 charts. And I was like, wow, like I just charted on the dance. Like that sounds funny. I just charted. Um, but, uh, you oh, know, I just, that's like the 12 year old little girl inside. that's funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just made it on the charts. I'm like, you know, whoa, this is crazy. And then, you know, I finished the songs that I did with Dave Whiteside and Submitted them for film and television placement while they were going through that whole process. um, I did another feature with that DJ and we made it to number 13 in the UK and I'm like, holy cow, two for two. Like, that's insane. So like that moment of making it onto the charts was like, whoa, like I've doubted myself so many times, but. For some reason, it's working right now, like this is awesome, you know, (laughs) And um and then after that it was like boom, you know, released those two songs um for placements and I got a placement on um the movie trailer for best night ever. And then the the last song that I that I released was called Party Apocalypse, and that has been placed three times. So I think like all of that to say yes, like all of those moments were like whoa. But I think the coolest moment, which Super sad, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. But coolest moment, but I was like such a loser too, because my song was placed on the hit TV show Rush. And it was the first time that I was ever gonna hear my song like on TV, like national, right? And everyone was like busy that night. So I wanted people to come over and like watch the show and like get Mm. all excited. And so I turn on, I'm I'm like home alone. I turn on the show. And the song comes on and I'm literally jumping by myself, like in my living room by myself. I'm like, oh, my God, it's there!" Like, ah." And I'm like, wow, I'm such a loser by myself. But this is so cool. I was like dancing around with my two dogs. But uh, it was cool because that moment was like my first national, you know, on TV placement. So um, that memory sticks out. It's hard for me to narrow down just one because, like, this last year and a half, two years has been, like, a whirlwind of craziness. So, yeah, when you ask me, like, what's the one? I'm like, there's too many to choose. But um, I'm very thankful for that problem. It's like a champagne problem, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah, that moment was was pretty cool. And I'm like, I arrived on TV. So and they played like over three minutes of that song, which
1: is completely unheard of. Um, that is I thought you were going to tell me it was on for like 10 seconds. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know,
0: actually, yeah, I was really surprised. I'm like, and it's still going. I'm like, and I'm still dancing three minutes in my living room. That's so funny.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Well, I have one question that I like to ask artists, but um, I wanted to expand this with you. And I usually ask, what you think makes you unique. But I did notice that on your website, you've got a very specific message about being diamond cut and the, being in the diamond cut club and that. And I really like that message. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about that and, and how you try to, to you know, weave that into your artist personality as being unique.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, just taking a step back as far as like where that came from, my birthstone is a diamond. I'm
1: an April baby. Oh, me too, me too. Really? When's your birthday? Yes. 28. Okay,
0: I'm, I'm April 12. But um still close, right? So yeah. um yeah, my birthstone is a diamond and um you know, I was going through this whole growth. I I read this book, um The 10 Second Philosophy. And that book gave me um you know, kind of like that little push in the tush to like move forward, you know, mm. and really try try to find your true self and what your message is and what, what your standards are as, as not only a person, but for me, I took it as an artist and all these different things. And, um, and I was like, diamond, I was like, diamond, diamond, Dior, diamond, diamond, diamond cut. And I was like, oh, let me look online what diamond cut means. And I, and obviously I know what diamond cut means, but just like the actual definition, it was like, said something like, um, when light hits the diamond, it reflects color into the world. And I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a light into people's lives. Um, I wanted to, to just be a light to the world. And when that, when I read that, I was like, wow, diamond cut. Okay. Like I'm going to base my entire project off of being diamond cut, being unique, standing out and reflecting my light into the world. And I think it's important. Also when I went on, um, I went on tour to Japan and it was crazy to see the culture there because, you know, living in, in the United States or living in California, we take for granted so much. Like if you were a, you know, a sidewalk sweeper, you'd probably not be doing it with a smile. You'd probably just be like, Oh "Oh God, when is this going to be done? You know, like, you know, people get so much attitude and so much entitlement for, you know, having whatever kind of job they have. And, when I was on tour in Japan, like you literally could have been like cleaning toilets and they had a smile on their face and they were just like, I'm so happy to be alive. Like I could do mm. anything and, and I'm happy for my job, you know, and just thankful and appreciative. And, and so, um, with that being said, I was like, you know, every single person, whether you're doing your passions and your dreams, you can shine your light in whatever it is that you do you know, whether it's you're the mailman, you know, you're the mailman. Like, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Like shining, you give, you give people like the stuff that they need. Like, that's amazing. You know, like that person is shining their light into other people's lives by doing that service. I know it's like a really weird concept, but. No,
1: but I always think about that when I need (laughs) a a plumber or something, because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have no abilities, neither does my husband. And I'm like, Thank God that somebody has the abilities of being a plumber and, you know, please shine your light into my bathroom and fix my,
0: you know. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so when I, when I initially thought of, um, Diamond Cut, I was like, wow, yeah, that's strong. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like chills, you know, you're like, this is it. I found, I found what I want, what I want to base my entire project about and how to, you know, tell people to be unique and, reflect your personal light into the world. And, um, and it's okay to, to stand out and, you know, have those different qualities that maybe some people like I was made fun of a lot of my entire life, people made fun of me. But like, there's things about me that I can't change because I was I was just born that way, or, or I'm just quirky, or I'm like, you know, I'm silly or whatever. And for the longest time as a kid growing up, you're like, what's wrong with me? Like, oh, and it's, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just, you're uniquely made and you do have a purpose. And that I was like, this is going to be how I'm going to spread my message to other, you know, people in the world that it's okay to be unique and stand out. Cause sometimes, you know, we get locked in this pigeonhole of places of, you can't do that. Don't say this, don't do this anyway. So, um, yeah, that's how I kind of came about with, with Diamond Cut, and that's what it means. Be unique, stand out, and reflect your light. And I got to tell you, when I first, you know, anytime that you have ideas, it's a very vulnerable place to be. Very vulnerable because you're putting your heart and soul out there. You're like, this is my idea. It's personal to you. Same thing with, like, writing and music and stuff like that. And I told a couple of, of people, I was like, hey, what do you think of Diamond Cut? And they were like, what? No. They're like, that is so dumb. Like, don't ever say that ever again. Like, that's so 80s, like, or whatever. I don't know. And I was like, really? You think it's 80s? I'm like, diamond cut? Really? Like, I think that would be awesome. And they're like, no, no, no. You should just don't do that. Just just stick to talking about parting and being Hollywood. I'm like, that's not really me, you know? But I don't know. And I kind of like started getting like, okay, maybe I won't do it. Maybe it is dumb. You know, you start second guessing yourself because people are like, no. And, um, and then I decided to just like test it out on somebody that I didn't know, you know, somebody that I met at Starbucks and they're like, oh, you're a singer. I'm like, yeah. They're like, what's your, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, yeah, it's like, you know, diamond cut, be unique, stand out, reflect your light. They're like, whoa, are you serious? That's amazing. And I was like, yeah. Like in my head, I was like, (laughs) <laughs> I like it. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you're not supposed to like it. Everyone told me that it was gonna suck and it's never gonna work. Yeah. And I was like, that kinda gave me like, okay, maybe this is okay, you know? And started telling other people and honestly, like, it's everything that I that I base my project off of. Every single person involved is uniquely made with a purpose. And um I wouldn't want it any other way. And um that just shows you and it gives me confirmation as an artist to never second guess the ideas that you have because people will never under, truly understand you until you understand yourself and once you understand yourself then people will jump on board so if that's like a little a little bit more inspiration for other you know artists and stuff like that so
1: I love that story I love that you tested it on someone you didn't know mm-hmm. I think that was a perfect way to do it to give yourself confidence yeah and sometimes people just don't get it i mean I, when i first started women of substance radio i'd get these people like um, women of substance, is that like women that eat too much? <laughs> yeah. And then like another one was like, oh, is this for people that have substance abuse problems? I'm like, no, like it clearly says here substance, you know, yeah. the definition of substance and how that relates to music and how it's not just about, you know, party throwaway music. It's about deep music and, you know, but it's like people, they just have a gut reaction and they're not thinking about what it actually is. And, you know, for some reason to that person that sounded 80s to them. Who knows why Yeah, they thought diamond cut sounded 80s, but they had some weird association in their mind. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your idea. So I'm glad yeah. that you stuck with that. Cause that was the first thing I noticed when I went to your website.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It's, which, and it's definitely something that I've based my entire project around. And it's been, once you know your purpose and like what your project is about, it's easier to make decisions, you know, cause you're like, wait, that person, I'm just throwing this out there and I'm making it up. That person, you know, goes out every single day and drinks until they pass out. Is that diamond cut? Mm, No. (laughs) You know, or is that person treating people really, really mean and awful or whatever? Is that diamond cut? No, I don't want that surrounded by me. You know, I can support them and love on them and be their friends, but the inner circle of what's surrounding the project, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's Diamond Cut, you know? So it's easy for me, it's like, okay, I can I can base everything off of that and um and even check myself if if I'm having a moment, you know? So mm.
1: yeah. I like that. I like that litmus test. So you just said that you left your label two weeks ago. Is that real that's really true? And so what's going on with your project now?
0: So yeah, I mean, um I am actually it, I think sorry if you hear my dogs in the background. I have two Yorkies. Ah. <laughs> they always like I feel like anytime that I do radio interviews, they're always like, "Ruff, I'm over here." But uh, yeah, I mean, I I am still really good friends with with the owners of of the label that I was at, and um, it just wasn't um, the right fit for right now. And um, now with the project, I'm I'm connecting with so many amazing producers and songwriters and people that are so on fire for the project that um i am in the process of you know recording my my um ep which i'm looking to release in early 2016 and um lots of meetings with different you know publishing companies and things like that i mean nowadays it's like <clears throat> i have conversations with people all the time because if you have a strong enough fan base you know do you really need a a label Right. You know, do you? That's like the 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 question nowadays. It's like, do you need a label to do things? Really, labels have become just bank account or like not bank accounts, but um, loans. You know? right. And if you can make the relationships and the connections with the right people, you can actually, you know, do a release on your own and keep the majority of the money. So you know, as far as where the project is going, I know that, you know, the music is going, the, you know, licensing opportunities are there. And, um, I'm not really thinking about, I mean, if an opportunity comes and and like I said, if it's the right opportunity, if it feels good, if it's like good people, then, you know, we'll cross that road as it comes. But, um, I don't know. It's still an exciting time. I'm not, I'm actually like, I mean, I was sad because it's like, you know, it's like a breakup. You're like, oh, but um, I make, I'm actually excited. I'm like, oh, it opens up more opportunity to work with, you know, more amazing people. You're not your hands are not crossed, you know?
1: Yes, so. it really does. It, you've got all your control back. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. It's good. So you were talking about um, building your fan base. How do you find is the best way for you to build your fan base? Is it online? Is it in person? Is it all of the above? And what have been the best channels for you to to really build Relationships with fans and find new fans.
0: Yeah, it's it's a combination of of all of it. Um, you know, Twitter has been amazing to me. Um, I'm just about to hit. I think I'm close to like seventy thousand followers, um, on Twitter, which
1: has grown like crazy in the last. Yeah. Like, so how did you do that? Because I have over seven thousand.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's insane. Um, you know, I looked at other artists that that are you know, I looked at other artists like Taylor Swift, for instance. Why does Taylor Swift have so many amazing fans? Like, think about it. You're like, well, because she's Taylor Swift. No, no, no. What does she do? She engages with her fans. She talks to them. You know, she cares about her fans. And um, I simply just started engaging with my fans. Mm -hmm. And because I was that person for them, actually talking to them, you know, because nine times out of 10, if you're, if you're, um, uh, messaging an artist, you have somebody else talking for them, you know, There's mm-hmm. somebody else speaking for them. And, um, or you get like, uh, you know, I remember, I forget what app it was, but I was like following Katy Perry and she sends you a message and you're like, oh, thanks, Katy. And then it's another automated message. And then another automated message. You're like, you just sent that, like, you know, mm. you're like, that's not really you. So, um, what I did is I just started, um, engaging and talking and getting to know these people. And, you know, naturally, if you're engaging and having a conversation, you're probably going to say, Oh, I met this artist or this person, you got to check them out. And then that person contact, you know, get, looks it up and then hopefully follows and, and then you engage with them. And it's like, you know, it's a ripple effect and, you know, it started out, I, I used to get excited at like two new followers a day and then it was six and then it was eight and then it was, you know, 50. And then, you know, now sometimes it's like three to 400 new followers a day because, you know, people are making fan pages and and spreading the message and spreading the word and just other people being the messengers, you know, and it's, it's been amazing to see the growth on, on Twitter as far as that goes. And all, of course, always having content because, the more you post, um, the more people are going to be engaged. So, you know, it's so funny. Cause I, I started just saying good morning and good night. Not, not only that, but saying, Hey, good morning guys. Have a, have an awesome day. You know, go, go kill it. You know, go, I shouldn't say kill it, <laughs> especially with everything going on, but you know, go mm. have an awesome day. Like go out there and make your dreams happen. And, or, um, all right, guys, I'm going to bed. See, ya, you know, and and obviously messages and pictures in between. But just by doing that, that consistency, there's like this one. um, I, There's one that that stands out to me. But um, one of the girls on Twitter, she she's like, hello, Dior, get up. Like, if I don't say it, she's like, hello, are you awake? Like, <laughs> hello, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, hi, are you up now? <laughs> are you moving? You know, so then I'm like, oh, gosh, like, you know, people like to, to know what you're up to and that, that consistency. So Twitter's been awesome because I don't have to make sure that I'm all dolled up for the pictures. And I can just say like, you know, Hey guys, like, you know, what inspires you? And I engage, like, instead of just saying like, Hey, this is what I'm eating. This is what I'm doing. Like, this is me, 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 me. I've actually made it more about other people asking them like, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Like, what what kind of music do you like? You know, who's your favorite artist? Or what do you choose? You know, now they have a poll thing. You can do like, you know, Coke or Pepsi, just out of curiosity. Like, I don't even drink soda, but you know, just to see what people are out or do you listen to the radio or or streaming music, you know, and more people do streaming music and podcasts. So it's just like, you know, getting people involved in in conversation. You know, nobody likes to um I mean, you, people like to listen, but not forever. Right. You know what I mean? They're not going to sit there and be like, oh, my God, this person. You know what I mean? All they do is talk about themselves. And um, unless they're, you know, obviously getting something out of it. But but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I just started engaging with them, asking what they wanted. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to ask them what the title of my EP should be. And give them a couple of suggestions and see what they say, you know, get them really, really involved. Um, But besides Twitter, Instagram is good. I don't nearly, you know, I have like, I don't know, maybe like 27,000 followers or 20, 30,000, something like that on um, Instagram, which is great. But I don't keep up with it nearly as much because Twitter's been so amazing. And then... Yeah, I can't remember the rest of your question. I get really sidetracked. I can like talk for hours. I have my mom. No, I have my mom's very, like talking gene.
1: You're very interesting. <laughs> Thank you. So, how much time do you spend on Twitter? Just out of curiosity <sighs> for the artists listening, like per day, like how many how many tweets? No, like how much time are you actually spending with the you know? Posting and engaging and all the you know because I mean to to build to 70,000 fans is a lot of fans
0: yeah no it's a lot um and I'm super thankful for that anytime that I can I will so like if I'm driving in the not driving but if I'm if I'm in the car and somebody else is driving I'll use that time to engage or you know if I'm Uh, sitting on the couch and I'm watching my favorite show, Nashville, which don't tell me what happened because I haven't seen the most recent uh, episode. (laughs) Um, But uh, like in between commercials or something like that, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, anytime that you can, I mean, it's a full, like I said, it's a full-time job. It's not something that you can just wake up and think that it's going to happen without work. It is a lot, a lot of, of work and just finding time whenever you can and, you know, it's it's unfortunate that now it's gotten so crazy that I it, I have a hard time answering everyone and and I have to remind them like you guys I'm human like there's only 24 hours in a day. Like I'm I'm doing the best I can. I love each and every one of you. And that's why, you know, on Twitter you can you can actually send that out and be like, "Guys, I know I get your messages. Thank you so much. I'm sorry if I can't respond fast enough, but I'm doing my best." And 9 times out of 10 people are going to be understanding of that.
1: Right. You know,
0: so there's not like wow. a specific time. Like I don't say oh, I spend four hours a day because I could spend four hours or I could spend eight hours or I could spend, you know, I'm like always on my phone, which is right. kind of annoying. But as far as like, you know, you miss out on so many like social things sometimes because everyone's like, you're always on your phone. I'm like, I have a <laughs> it's full time job.
1: It's part of
0: the job, you know?
1: Yeah, you're thinking about it that way that it is a job and I think some people don't get that. They're like, "Why are you always playing with your phone?" I'm like, "I'm not playing. I'm, you know, answering emails and doing work and yeah, that kind of thing." Yeah,
0: it's and it's hard for people to understand. This is a this is not a normal industry. It's an industry that doesn't sleep. It's an industry that, you know, is a fast-moving industry. So, if I miss 3 days of not posting, I can see my numbers go from X amount of retweets and likes to a lower X amount of retweets and, and, and likes. So it's, you have to be engaged like that. You just have to nowadays. Mm. Um, I think the hardest part is just like, there's always new technology and, and trying to, you know, whichever technology that you're using, whichever one is the most successful, that's where you should put your time, the majority of your time into because that's your bread and butter And then the other ones are, uh, ones that you give your time to, but you know, you can, you can kind of use that one big platform to say, Hey, follow me on Instagram or Hey, follow me on, on YouTube, which I'm still growing my Instagram and YouTube. So,
1: right. You can't be completely successful everywhere. There's no way you would have to clone yourself a million times.
0: Well, yeah. And you have to remember that like these big, you know, superstars like Ariana Grande, Katy Perry, um, Lady Gaga, all these people, they hire a professional company, a company that handles all of that for them. So they're, you know, they might be engaged with, um, some of it, but, you know, keeping it, they have someone following around, taking pictures of them while they're going to the radio interview or while they're going to the grocery store. And then they can upload that, you know, because they're right next to them. They have people in place. It's, um, you know it's a business. It's like having a a CEO and a vice president and then, you know, the interns and all those other things. I mean, that's why it's called the music business. It's it's, you know, 90% business and 10% talent. And I always say you have to be 100% in that 90 and 100% in that 10 when you're there. So,
1: very true. So, on that <laughs> note about business, can you give us an idea what your streams of income are? Like, how are you supporting yourself with music? Is it, is it a lot about live shows and tours? Is it merchandise? Is it licensing? You know, where does it all come from?
0: It's all of that, actually. I mean, it's, you know, the the music placements are great. Um, the streaming, you know, the thing is, is that it's, you know, you're paid in quarters. So there's, you know, you're not getting paid like every single day necessarily for the song placements, you're paid in quarters. And then shows are good. Merchandise is always really, really good. Um, you know, it just, it just depends. I mean, it's all like, they all serve their purpose, you know what I mean? So.
1: And they just all kind of come together into one big thing and there's none of them that it's the most important for you.
0: It's all important. Mm. You know, It, it really is. It's all important. And, um, Oh, to go back. Sorry, I, I got sidetracked a little bit, but I wanted to go back and say that also with the live shows, as far as like fan base, it's really important to engage in your fans afterwards and before. So I actually go around and um, and shake people's hands and meet with them and I, you know, give them glow sticks with my at symbol or, you know, um where people can look down and say, oh, yeah, I want to follow her on, on Twitter, Instagram and i engage with with the fans live as well not just online so i want i want to make sure mm-hmm.
1: to say that
0: you know i got into my little my little absolutely
1: but, uh, but no i love that idea of giving out glow sticks with your at symbol on it that's really smart yeah i just like put you can i have like one
0: one sponsor that will actually um depending on where the show is at they'll get the glow sticks and they'll put their um logo on it and then I'll put my logo on the other half of it and then we give those out um but if I don't have a sponsor for that show then I mean you can easily go down to the dollar store or actually even on Amazon you can get like I don't know a 100 glow sticks for like I don't know maybe like 6 8 bucks and you just give those out with I mean it, that's like so inexpensive for for marketing purposes and everyone likes free stuff and if you're ha- at a concert who doesn't want a glow stick So you can use it to light up your merch table and you can, you know, pass it out. I have my diamond cut girls, which are my dancers that go around and they have glow sticks and they'll give out the glow sticks. And then they have the iPad and they say, hey, would you like to um, get on our get on Dior's mailing list? You know, she's going to send you a free song and um, nine times out of 10, they're going to say yes. And they also want, you know, the glow stick. And so it makes it easier to. um you know, make sure that you're getting people's uh, emails so you can keep them engaged and, and, um, and uh, send out, you know, different newsletters and things like that. So.
1: For sure. You are clearly a smart marketer. You got it. You got it under control.
0: I'm trying, (laughs) man. It's just like a trial and error. You know, it's like when you decide to, to actually do it. I mean, when I, if you would have asked me, gosh, like, even five years ago that I would know what I know now that I've learned in the last two years. I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? You're like, yep. you kind of just get, you just have to get thrown in and figure it out. It's like, I remember going snowboarding for the first time and, and it was kind of like a storm. I mean, snowboarding is like lame. at, It's not really that crazy when you're going to like big bear compared to like, you know, mammoth or anything, but it was my first time. And my friend took me in. He's like, oh, yeah, come on this chair. And I was like, okay, cool. It's the bunny slope, right? And we got to the top and it was not the bunny slope. And I had to go all the way down and I made it. And that's kind of like, you know, you have to sometimes just go, okay, I'm going to go to the top of the mountain and figure it out. Yeah, figure yourself out, you know?
1: So that's… Yeah, that's a great… That's true. It's a great analogy. so… So before we close this, I did want to mention or bring back that book that you mentioned because I thought that might be very helpful to artists. What was the name of that?
0: Um, the 10 Second Philosophy.
1: The 10 Second Philosophy. Okay. And you you felt like that was really helpful in kind of getting your artistic philosophy. Yeah. It
0: just was like, you know, it's one of those books that you're like, you know, sometimes you get lost in your identity of what people think that you should be and your day to day life. And we set goals, but we have a harder time, you know, meeting those goals when we should actually be setting standards. Um, And it was just one of those books that, I mean, it really, really spoke to me because I, you know, was trying to figure out who I was as an artist. Yeah. So it opened me up to, um, you know, listening to that inner voice. It talks about that in the book and also um, setting standards for, for your life, you know? And once you set those standards, people will meet those standards. I mean, I'm not saying like, Oh, I only wear Christian Louboutin shoes. Like, no, that is a crazy standard. I mean, if you want to have that, that's fine. I would love to, you know, have a ton of pairs of those, but to me, I'm going to set standards of like the people in my life. That's what I took it as is like the people involved in the project. And, and, and I, and I always tell people, I'm like, you know, i and and you know maybe you have friends like this, but I have some friends where you could literally go and spend ten dollars on a birthday present, and they're gonna love it no matter what and you you know that you can get away with spending like ten to twenty dollars and and they're gonna love it no matter what, and you know wear it until it's you know holy or whatever, right and then you have some friends that you're like, Oh, you know you have to spend like fifty to a hundred dollars on them because they mm. like nice things. But what is the difference between those people? It's a standard that they put out there. It's not that they're too good for the $10, but it's the standard of, well, that's what they like. That's who they are, you know? And so when you set different standards for your life, whether it be, you know, people who, like for me, I I don't surround myself by people who do drugs. That's just not something that I can even comprehend. I can love people that are going through a hard time. But to me, like, you know, I don't, I've never done anything like that before. And so to me, my standard is, you know, I've never smoked ever. Well, like I've never smoked weed or like um, I don't smoke cigarettes or whatever, like maybe hookah, but not really often because it hurts my voice. And um, but because I've never smoked weed before, for instance, my friends that, that maybe do, even if I wanted to, and I beg them, they're like, no, get away. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they're like, get, go away. Like, no, I'm not letting you do that. You know what I mean? Cause I've set that standard of, you know, I don't do this because, or like, I don't really drink soda, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. It can be like the stupidest thing. But when you set those standards, people will always meet those standards, you know? And um, I think that's important, especially as women, because, like I said, we have to have good standards. Because otherwise, people will just walk all over you. You know,
1: for sure, especially in the music business. I mean, you can get yourself into situations where people will ask you to do things that are not yes something that you would do. Yes, and you need to be very strong in that. You yeah, know, yeah. And
0: I gotta tell you, because I've been in those positions. Very, I've you know, I, I was talking with a girlfriend of mine, Shade um, Champagne. She does um inspirational speaking and mentoring with kids. She does a power of a dream tour. She is like, she needs to like meet Oprah. She's like, she's mm-hmm. like Oprah to me. <laughs> but um I was she was saying, she's like, Diori, I feel like you're gonna write a book one day. And um, and I may, I may write a book one day. Um, just talking to girls about, you know, the industry. It's scary. Super, super, super scary, you know. You will get asked to do certain things. And um, a lot of my uh, friends that are in the industry have also gone through things like that. And and I got to tell you, because I have always set the standard of I will never, ever sleep my way to the top. I will never, ever do things that, you know, or sing about things that um, I feel are highly inappropriate you know, you set those different standards and, um, you get, it's hard. Cause in the moment you're like, oh my gosh, this person has worked with so-and-so or blah, blah, blah. It'd be so much easier if I just was his girlfriend or whatever. And I, and, and just so you know, or I mean, I, I'm talking to you, like, it's just me and you, but there's like all these other people listening, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> just so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just getting over bronchitis. So if you hear me coughing, um, the people that were high up in the industry that might have approached me and I said politely, like, no, we're friends. Like, business is business and kept it that way have had more respect for me as an artist than the people that were easily persuaded into doing things that um, maybe they they weren't doing for the right reasons. So with that being said, I want to encourage women – and girls, young girls, to know that you are worth so much more and have so much talent that you should never feel like you have to put yourself in a position where, you know, um, you have to compromise your morals and values for an opportunity because that's not the case. You'll actually get more respect as a as a female. And maybe in the moment it won't feel like it, but in the long run you will definitely um, – be in a better position. So.
1: Completely agree. And I'm glad you said that. Well, it has been so amazing talking to you. You have so much insight yep. and yeah, you're, like I said, you need to become an inspirational speaker because you know, you've got so much to say on these subjects and maybe you will write a book someday. <laughs> yeah. But let, let people know if they're not one of their, your 70,000 followers on Twitter and all that, let them know how they can find you and connect with you online.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, my Twitter is at Dior D J O I R. Um, you can, uh, Follow me there. Also, Instagram at Dior, Facebook Dior. Actually, really exciting. Yesterday, I got verified on um, on Facebook, which I was like, "Yay!" I got so excited about that little check mark. So mm-hmm. you'll know it's me if it has a check mark. And um, my YouTube is Dior TV. So i R T V. I'm starting to put up, um, you know, m- new videos there. Um, hopefully, weekly. Trying to get consistent with that. And um, Snapchat Dior. And, yeah, just so many different different ways to find me. If you put in Dior, I'm the only one, D-J-O-I-R. And, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Tweet me or come to a show. I'm, You know, like I said, I'm in the process of recording my EP, which is going to, you know, we're shooting for early um, 2016, and we'll do lots of shows leading up to that, planning out a tour. So tell me where you guys want me to be. And um, we'll try to make it happen.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Can't wait to hear the new music. And thank you so much for spending this time with me. It's been really awesome. Thank
0: you so much, Bree. It's been a pleasure. And I hope we can do it again soon.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com. And female com. with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.